Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, today is our 100th episode of Off the Couch, and what we have for you today is one of my all-time favorite Off the Couch episodes. And if you are familiar with our guest, Tessa Chesser, that actually probably comes as no surprise. Tessa, who just podiumed at the Javelina 100 miler and earned herself a golden ticket to Western States, came on here this morning just throwing bombs and dropping mics and spitting inspiration for days. Tessa has an incredible way with words. She 100% does not mince any words. And I don't know, I think she has the best energy of any human being ever, maybe. Maybe her or Bruce Lee. We actually talk about Bruce Lee in this conversation because, of course, we do. So you can go ahead and check the show notes to this episode if you want to find specific topics we're talking about. But, man, we go broad today. And it is fun. You all should basically just trust me and listen to this entire conversation because Tessa is just on fire here. And also, I should say, if you aren't already following Tessa on Instagram, you 100% should. And her handle is at Tessa Chessa. And we'll include a link to her Instagram page in the show notes to the episode as well. Now, before we get started, I want to remind you that we have this new getting here guide to Gunnison and Crested Butte. So if you are interested in plotting a trip to Gunnison to maybe do some running or mountain biking out at Hartman Rocks, or if you're getting ready for ski season and you want to come up to Crested Butte to get your ski on, check out the guide we have. It's called our getting here guide. And we will include a link to it in the show notes to this episode. And included in that guide is a whole bunch of really helpful travel information and lodging information. And we include links to the current flight information too. And we now have more flights coming into Gunnison than ever before. So check out that guide. And now I am very happy to share with you this incredible conversation with... Tessa Chesser. Here we go. Well, Tessa, how are you today? And where are you today? I'm so good. And I'm in our office inside of Flagstaff at the Swiss Chateau Babes House plus engine. Okay, let's just, for the sake of our listeners, slow this down just for a sec. What is the name of your, we're just going to call it your headquarters slash house. Yeah. (laughs) Say this again, because this is worth, this is worth doing. Okay, so we live off Swiss. The house is gray and like lime green. And so it's the Swiss Chateau Babes House plus Sinjin. And we have two dogs and we've named them Shuna, Luna and Sugar. So they're Shuna. But um, long story short, my housemate Vanessa essentially like called me one day when I was transitioning out of Mammoth. And she's like, look, sister, I'm trying to get out of LA. How do you feel about a roommate? And I was like, for you? 
of course. And then, and then we got a third, his name's Sinjin and he's here uh, probably part-time. And so he's like our plus like Sinjin. <laughs> <laughs> but you did specify a few minutes ago, Sinjin is also Sinjin a babe. Sinjin is for sure a babe. Yeah, he's a babe too. Uh, okay. But yeah, I think we probably think a little highly of ourselves to name our like pad that. But I mean, why not? <laughs> I mean, if you, you know, in life, if you're not going to think highly of yourself, <laughs> you know, who is? Fair. So I've got some, my house doesn't even have a name. Oh, but now you'll, but now so you'll go back I, you've and really... you're going to be like, oh, okay. I'm inspired by the fact that like these girls and Sinjin like have and it on Sinjin. lockdown yeah. and like have their dogs collaborated, like named. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm failing miserably and I really appreciate you helping me to see the light on this fact. So, I've got I've I've got some work to do. Life's too short to not yeah. have a little fun. 100%. And sometimes, apparently, according to you, life's too short to not do some hard things sometimes. For sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know if you have a percentage figured out of life's too short, you know, so X percentage of fun, X percentage of hard things. Maybe I'll ask this question. I've never asked anybody this question. Do you think there is like kind of the right ratio of fun to extremely hard things? For sure. And I think I think fun is defined by the individual too, right? So like my fun could be defined differently than like what your fun is, meaning meaning like what I enjoy um, right now in particular is, is like specifically in the afternoons, this is like going outside, going on a hike with my dog, having a libation, seeing like the sunset and feeling the light. And right now, like that sense of calm after putting in, you know, a pretty big block before Havelina is what's been really fun because it has just allowed for like more like digging into better music or just, you know, having some conversations mm. with people or just like watching my dog and her like strong ass legs like bop around and be parkour <laughs> <laughs> be parkour wow define she's be yeah parkour. she's the definition of yeah. such i mean if you saw her I'm, i mean i'm biased because she's obviously my dog but if you look at her and her like little booty just like, bup, 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 like it's just like yeah. you i like look at her and i catch myself being like oh damn sugar like you're looking good tonight <laughs> A lot of, a lot of, a lot of babes in your house. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I like the idea that sugar is like the platonic form of parkour, right? Like if if we just needed the verb, like what is it? You just like here's the video. Your dog. Yes. This is yeah, parkour. and I think I live potentially slightly vicariously through her because mm. because I can. Mm. I mean, I know how people are like, oh gosh, like people and their dogs, they look like them, da 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 da. But like, I can tell like, and she's a puppy, right? So she's fifteen or sixteen months, but um, she mm. needs to get it out. Like, she needs to like go and like rip around and get it out. And I like personally, royally, can relate to that. <laughs> And so like when I watch her have that joy and since I'm taking a little bit of a backseat and just like chilling, um, I like am living through her and I like just get so like razzed to see her like rage. (laughs) (laughs) This is amazing. I love this. Wait, and Sugar is currently at your feet, right? 
Yeah, full name Sugar Velour uh, is her full stage name, and she is asleep right now at my feet. Yes, I'm just looking at her. Um, but yeah, her full like stage name is Sugar Velour. <laughs> wow, killing it with the names. Um, I, this is also kind of literally the definition of a spirit animal, mm, for sure. Right? I don't know that many people's like their pet is in fact their spirit animal i think this might be a first and i'm 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 into it that's pretty yeah. great this sugar and then this artist mark his name's mark i'm gonna butcher his last name maggioli or something like that i'll send you the link he's like this southwest epic painter and like i see his art and huh. it's crazy scenery and these all these clouds and so he's also my spirit animal i like want to live vicariously through him and on top of that he happens to look a little bit like that <laughs> So oh, can't yeah. you envision somebody okay. running an ultra we, looking like that? I mean, like, I would be, that could be, you know, <laughs> just saying. Another, uh, we're just going to have to title this, this conversation, like straight babe talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and we will include links to Mark's page so that everybody else can check out some of the glory that we have just been looking at For together. Sure. Great way uh, to say yeah, it. Online. Yeah. Hey, maybe we should talk for a minute about Havelina. Because sure. you said you've been chilling, but you haven't been chilling that long. Just over a week. Yep. Right? Just over well, a week. kind of, right? Um, I guess I was telling you, like, I 20, 48 hours later, I flew to Boston for craft, um, for some craft stuff right after the race. Mm -hmm. And then I was in New York City for, well, I would say the New York City Marathon, but then... Um, we have some good, we had some craft teammates that were running the marathon, David Laney and Tommy Rives, um, which is awesome. And so I got to really just hang out um, and like have a little bit of fun, um, do a little bit of partying, some shopping in New York. And so, yeah. <laughs> May I ask you about this? I mean, Tommy, I mean, I was actually shocked. I didn't know he was actually going to run. I thought he was just attending. Mm. No, he did the whole thing. He walked the whole thing um, after, what, just shy of a year of of that cancer diagnosis yeah. where he was, and I think he was just barely walking a couple months ago. So, yeah, what a special creature. <laughs> I mean, I, I, honestly, I mean, so I, I must have just missed that, like, this was going to happen or I don't know, maybe it wasn't actually said in advance it, and he was going to see how he was yeah. feeling. But I... I just honestly thought he was going out to be at the race. And then I was like, wait, what just happened? And so you were, you, I take it, were sort of there and around. And I mean, he said, right? He's like, this is the hardest thing I've ever done, full stop. And I'm like, I believe you. I don't really think this is hyperbole right no, now. No, that's fair. Um, and he'll, he will do a good job, I think, explaining his journey and, and, and has done a very beautiful job navigating it. And so I don't want to, I won't do it uh, service to be honest with you, but I just, I just, I'm just lucky that he's, I'm part of the craft team, um, with that and having that as an inspiration, um, and honestly motivation. So, um, again, I, I will probably not do enough service to his story, but just it's out there and, and it's pretty freaking magical. <laughs> yeah. 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 Shout out to Tommy mm -hmm. unreal. Okay. So that's what you were doing after Havelina. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Javelina itself. Okay. Yeah, talk about I We were saying, I actually, like yesterday, was just mountain biking because was, I was with a buddy and we were like, let's just put some miles and like really see this incredible area. And so we were like, we can do that quicker on bikes than running. It's such a cool zone. 
And I mean, I know you have been there multiple times and I don't know if you have a particular soft spot in your heart for that area. But anyway, I tell me, tell me more. Yeah. So I'm a desert baby, right? I'm a lizard girl. I'm from, I'm from Phoenix originally. So I, um, I don't, I won't say like I grew up going to Fountain Hills and exploring that area, but I am very familiar with that area, especially with four peaks in the background and everything. But I can kind of tell you the preload into it because, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, I had ran canyons in April, right? So we, I had ran canyons in April with, with an insane field um, and then came out of that injured. Like I had a, I had an Achilles flare up and I was like, shit, I'm never running hundred K hundred miles. I'm never running that distance again. I'm only running like 50 K and, and marathons. And like, I was just pretty, pretty low. <clears throat> and I was living in mammoth at the time and there was a lot of stuff happening. Um, There's just a lot of shit happening. And I just, <laughs> I, and we could get into that maybe, but for now we'll keep it fairly short. I had done all the like PT and everything to get the Keelys kind of back. And um, with Kraft, we were going to go to to Sweden to do some content and then run Ultra Boston, which is a 45K and a 90K. And it's a fairly flat race and Sweden is fairly flat, but beautiful. And so I, we had done, my coach and I, and my coach is awesome. His name's Terry Howell. Um, he's, he's got the secret sauce. But we had done a few weeks of training, like preload into Ultravossin, like nothing crazy, um, just because I was coming back from the Achilles thing. And we get to Sweden and I was like, okay, I'm going to do the 45K, right? I don't want to do the 90K, I'm going to do the 45K. And so, um, you know, you tow the line and whatnot and you're, and you're out there. And I was like, damn, like, I feel fucking good right now. Like I'm rolling, like, and, and with a very short amount of training leading up to it. And so <clears throat> I, long story, um, ended up getting fourth, but my pace, more importantly, my pace was like 720 over the course of 27 and a half miles. And right as I was at, right as I had made the decision to leave Mammoth and move back to Flagstaff, my training partner in Mammoth, Danny uh, Moreno, she's awesome. She like one day her and I were just like recovering, running. And she goes, sister, like you should run Havelina. It's a golden ticket race. And I was like, Danny, that's a hundred fucking miles, like girl. And so I called my coach and I was like, Terry, I think I can do this. Like, I think I can run Havelina. I just made the decision to move back to flag. I'm in the process of getting all my stuff moved over there. And he was like, girl, I don't know. That's like 90 days away, very short. And I was, and I basically was like, look, Terry, I just ran this 45 K at 720 pace. I know I can run Havelina like at a decent clip. Like I'm feeling really confident. And he, he was like, okay. He was like, okay. And so he showed me the training. He showed me the training for what his build was going to look like. And I literally was like, all right, we're like saddling up. And then, and I moved back to Flagstaff. Vanessa had just moved in and I told her, I was like, Hey sister, like I'm going to be a little bit unavailable because I'm about to be running a lot. And, and anyways, after the, after like a really beautiful load into Havelina, I like reached out to my mammoth friends and was like, all right, y'all, like I'm fired up for this race. I'm going to get this golden ticket. I have my burly back. I'm like reaching into my soccer strength and I'm like, let's fucking go. And I like assembled this like circus of a ragtag crew of amazing human beings and got my like nutrition and 
shit together and craft put us up in this like amazing airbnb and i i basically was like i'm ready like i am so ready and i walked into that like i mentally walked into that like with the preparation of <laughs> kind of the same idea of what i did with soccer and i played soccer for a really long time um growing up but i i was the girl that like you would walk out onto the field and i it was like kill them all and let god sort them out that was my mentality that was like my soccer mentality and and i translate that into life like i translate that into life i translated that into javelina because i'll be honest with you it's taken me a year and a half to get back to this space and so towing the line at javelina was like a big like was like a big deal and it was a big deal personally it was a big deal physically and i and as i said i just had this amazing uh inner circle that was ready to roll with me that was amazing. <laughs> I hope you felt that, that a little bit amazing. because when I tell the story, I still feel like that inside burn of like warmth. It's like I just took a tequila shot and I'm like, oh, like this is good. <laughs> huh. Um, okay. Let's talk a little bit. I mean, f- fucking Achilles injuries. So it's interesting when that happens and you're just it said incredibly well. That was all beautiful. When you're like, I, yeah, I, I think. I can't maybe run over a certain distance anymore. Like it might, the Achilles might not let me or physically things start breaking down or something. Maybe, maybe I have found a kind of personal barrier here. So I'm curious, like you, the way that you told the rest of that story, it sounds like by the time you were towing the line, you weren't like, man, every single mile, you know exactly what I'm about to say, but like, you know, when you're doing that, you're running and you're like, you're just waiting for that re like that nagging injury to like turn on again and you're like i'm not feeling it yet 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 and it's kind of just mentally the worst right because you went through this whole hundred miler to what extent were you like be careful here don't do something or make sure that i'm not about to hit that achilles flare-up or something like that or was this just somehow completely out of mind you know, it was interesting because my pacer, Rod, I told him, I was like, hey, I-, I can finish this race. I mean, there were moments where I was like, I can't fucking do this. But there were, um, I, yeah. I told him, I was like, if my body can hold up, like if I can keep my body held up for the remaining portion of this race, I got it. Like there is nobody, there's nobody that's mentally going to kind of break through um, in that regards. But I'll be honest with you, I, I attribute Obviously, partially that injury because Canyons was really fucking hard. Um, that was a very difficult race. But also at the time, I had a lot of life stress. And and, I, and I'm not saying that like um, – because I had I actually went and got an MRI. I was looking at PRP, and I had massive inflammation in my ankle in general. But um, I also had a lot of life stress at the time. And so as, as you unweave that spider web of – life stress and as i was focusing on the rehab and as i was making decisions like as i was essentially making decisions um to transition out of out of that place mammoth um even though mammoth is amazing beautiful have a wonderful community as i had made some of those decisions and navigated some shitty circumstances it was like boom the second i made the decision to move back to flag um and started having some things to look forward to ultra Boston, things dissipated and so sp- specifically to answer your question i my achilles had calmed down 
as you know, like you have this block into running a hundred miles um, or training into that. And so right like a week and a half before I had some adductor issues and I had gotten like three massages within like five days. And so I was like, I'm going to like, you are going to settle. Um, and, and everything was, everything like body wise was pretty chill um, during the actual race itself outside of just like this idea of you just get fatigued and your body's tired the last like 20 miles, like everyone's hurting by that point. Sorry, you, it's it's cool hearing you describe this, and so I'm just trying yeah, to okay. <laughs> capture a bit a bit more specifically how it felt during the event. I mean, mm. I think from the way you're describing this, it would you chalk this up to like this was a true force of will race as opposed to like I don't know what happened, but I just started going and I felt really good. <laughs> And then just, I mean, that wasn't, I know that wasn't your experience of this race, but I'm trying to get a sense of like, oh, you know, mostly this is a race where I was like, thank God the Achilles didn't flare. And yeah, we were beat up and we're going to talk about sort of the end of the race. But sometimes in the way you're talking about, you're like, I found my soccer strength again. (gasps) I was like, was this just mostly a force of will performance? Like, is that what it felt like? No, I was smart. I mean, yes and no. I mean, yes and no. I think there's always a force of will in, in an event of that distance but I was fucking fit. I was fit going into it. Again, I want to thank Terry for that, but I was super smart and I have a lot of people to thank and it's lap by lap to an extent. And so the very first lap, the very first lap, I kind of went out and was like, okay, like I'm feeling good. Like we're running. And there's some local Flagstaff girls that had passed me and I was like, dang, like why this is so early? Like, you know, and you start to kind of want to get into your head a little bit. But then I caught up to a friend of mine who like, we had we had shared like um, sauna time together. His name's Matt Bellis. And I had caught up to him on the first lap. And he like pulled me back. He was like, Tessa, girl, like this is the first lap. Like you have got to chill. And I ran with him on that first lap and it had already started to get pretty warm. <laughs> and so um, I'm grateful for that because that kind of, recheck my mindset of like oh yeah we've got five laps you're like in lap one of this five lap event so like chill out and i think at that point i was maybe like an eighth or ninth like i I don't know i was kind of far not far back but like we were all pretty close together and so anyways as we went through um so that was the first lap and then as we went to the second and into the second lap same thing things were starting to smooth out and i was feeling good on the climbs and just took my like took my time but obviously like knew when to push and then as we got into the third lap when the heat was really started starting to kick i ended up catching lottie and nicole uh, monet and they were third and fourth i think at that time and i was and i was just watching them kind of as i was like closing the gap and i just thought to myself like oh, okay like this is you still got 40 40 miles to go but you're like in a really good spot and so i had caught the two of them and i had some i had um some life saving people at the jackass junction because from the first aid station to the second aid station was a pretty big gap and it was like the death zone i mean it was carnage like you could just see people struggling in the heat you could see vomit starting to like get on the single track and and like thank god like i had some great people at that that um jackass junction that like just immediately saw me and were like okay like let's cool her down um and just like the idea of like putting ice in your pack like your actual like um you know vest was 
brilliant. Um, in addition to like the buff that I was wearing and the buff visor and all that jazz. But um, what was the big factor for me on that third lap was when I caught Lottie and Nicole Monet, I saw Lottie take that third lap downhill hard. Like she was cooking and, and I was like, damn, she's, she's a beast. But then I thought to myself, do not go with her you've got 40 miles left and you're really good at downhill. And so like, that was just like, in my mind, I was like, that's the smart, like, that's where you're smart girl and just chill. And then I picked up Rod for the fourth lap and we caught Lottie again at that first aid station. And I, I was still running uphill. Like I was still running and I was like, now we're going to bury, like now's the time to like put the dirt on the coffin like and I hate to say it like that but I was ready like I was just in this mindset where you couldn't fuck with me like I was just in and I as I said Rod Rod was my amazing pacer but um we at that point started like putting dirt on coffins and we had got to the jackass junction again and they were like oh you're 20 minutes from Brittany and in my mind I was like okay you're gonna just chill in third because you're, you're in golden you're in that golden ticket and you have another lap to go with Rod and so you still need to run the uphills and we just settled into a pace and just like diesel baby <laughs> <laughs> This is maybe quickly becoming my favorite <laughs> off the couch conversation ever. I love this. In addition oh to like God. managing heat, I made some poor decision on electrolytes. I was puking literally the last two laps of the race. Like yeah. I was definitely puking. Like any every thirty minutes, I was up chucking Red Bull Coke and Spring Energy. Um, yeah. I had taken way too many electrolyte pills. Maybe I don't know, but I was super fucking dizzy the last two laps. And I remember telling Rod like here we go. Like, here we go. And then our headlamps were dying in the last like four, four, four or five miles of the fifth lap. And so it was just like, we, but we were just like mentally in this space together. Thank God. Um, he was there, but we were mentally in this space together where, as I said, like, I mean, you saw the finish line photo. I had like purple goo, like coming from my chin. <laughs> and like, I looked like a, I was just like, I mean, it was just like, as I said, it was just, um, it was a goddamn journey and it was one in which that I will never forget. And um, I'm really grateful for like that rug rat <laughs> ragtag crew. Yeah. And I mean, to think about, I mean, as you, you know, and you were wrote really well on some posts about just some of the stuff that was going down mm -hmm. in the last 40 and 20 miles of that race. And I mean, man, if you weren't, as you put it in like diesel baby mode, maybe you maybe you do just decide stop my day you know like when stuff starts going south like well good time to have like serious mental fortitude and and be in that right mindset and just like it's we're gonna steamroll some stuff now and get through this for sure because there were some moments where i was like rod i can't do this like i can't like we got onto that fifth lap the very first beginning part of that fifth lap i was like i don't think i can do this like we got 19 more miles and i just don't think i can do this and and, and he's i mean he's an amazing human um and he's like yeah you can girl like you got this and then once we got to have elena right so like i knew i wasn't gonna drop if i got to the jackass junction like yeah. i just knew i wasn't dropping at that point because in rod like getting us from like point a to point b and a to a to a but i in my mind i was like if i can get to jack it's all downhill and that's that was like the determination of like okay we're back in diesel mode and it's all downhill 
And again, mm. like not that those miles were fast by any means. It's the last like ten miles of a of a hundred mile race. Yeah. But gravity is a beautiful thing. And and um, yeah, at that point, I was like, I got this. Um, minus there were a couple moments where I was like, Lottie's right there because everything had died. Like phones had died. Everything had died. So like, I did not know how how far back she was. You know, and so you're still in your mind thinking like, oh, I may not have this. So you still have to move. And um, and we definitely were still moving <laughs> and puking. <laughs> Be moving and puking. Diesel, baby. Diesel, baby. <laughs> yeah. So we haven't even said the word golden ticket yet. And I'm curious, like, how much that was actually on your mind part of the motivation to be throwing up and vomiting and still moving you haven't mentioned it and so i can see coming into this where you're like the main goal here is to qualify for western or was it like nope it was about i'm trying to prove that i can get back and physically with an achilles and the rest hold up to running a hundred miler like walk me through some of that Oh no, it was definitely on the radar. <laughs> um, okay. It was definitely on the radar. I'm looking at it and actually my housemate Vanessa uh, framed it for me. And so she put it above my uh, my office desk. And so anyways, I'm staring at it right now and I just getting like, oof. Um, yeah, it was on the radar for sure. Like obviously, I, obviously when Danny had talked about having Lena and signing up for it and then obviously talking to my coach about it, we had a very short amount of time to prepare for it. But I was mentally in a space, number one, that was like real exciting and two, or am, I shouldn't say was, I still am in that space. Um, but, but yeah, no, I like, I wanted to prove to myself um, that I could do it and that I am meant to be part of that like elite group of human beings. And I, and I hate to say it quite like that, but like when you are raised <laughs> the way I was raised um, and when you have that competitive spirit as an athlete um, who doesn't, who hadn't, haven't been running for very long, right? I have not like been running for that long. Um, and so I like was like, fuck yeah, man, like I'm going for it. And obviously I think when I think about goal setting, the number one goal is you, you got to finish, right? Like the, against all odds, against everything else, like if you can just finish 100 miles, that's a feat in and of itself. And then from there, there's like micro goals, right? Like top five, top three, first place, whatever. And so, so within that, you're always like mentally preparing and setting yourself up for hopefully success. But there is no doubt in my mind that this was like, that this was going to be my opportunity to get the golden ticket. Like I knew that as a Phoenician, um, that this running those trails like this course was going to bode well for me um that this course was going to bode well for me so i was going to give it hell for that ticket and then i was going to sign myself up for like potentially more suffering <laughs> <laughs> right how, <laughs> yeah how are you going to celebrate this more suffering <laughs> yeah. yay yeah yeah yep. you made the comment you were like when you grew up like i did there's, I think it was like, you have this sort of competitive bent or competitive nature. Say more. Like, what do you mean when you, what is growing up like I did mean? My dad is a burly motherfucker. Um, he is something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he is something. And, and, uh, we, it was my sister, my pop and I, um, my mom hasn't been in the picture for a really long time. I would say probably like early teen years. And she, she like in totality is just a really, 
struggles with mental health, struggles with addiction, struggles with um, drug abuse, blah, 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 blah. And so, um, you know, my dad raised us like boys, like he raised us as this like, and, and, you know, we were kind of poor by all means, like, I don't want to like paint this picture of like, because I still am. I still had a house over my head. I still had clothing. I still had opportunity. And so I don't want to paint that picture, but, but we were poor. And so like our description and definition of fun was we're going to go run bleachers as a family and we're going to work out in the living room and we don't turn the AC on until nine o'clock at night. And when you live in Phoenix, the inside of the house gets like 90 degrees. And my sister, my dad and I are like standing in this circle in this living room, lifting weights together. And like he was setting my repertoire for soccer. And I think a lot of people specifically like in our inner family would say to him, like, oh, you're too hard on those girls or, you know, you're this or you're that. And, and I look back and I think to myself, like he did the best that he could with what he was given. And, and I, I appreciate that competitive spirit in him because he himself is an athlete. Uh, he himself is an athlete as well, just motorcycle rider. He's broken every single bone in his body, just about. And I like think to myself, well, if that guy can have a halo around his leg because he's broken his tib fib and shattered his ankle, then like you can pick yourself up and dust yourself up from like falling on the trail, you know? So like he is a massive inspiration. We have Bruce Lee as part of our family as like big inspiration, Bruce Lee. So like, that's a big deal. We used to watch like Chinese connection and, and all those things as a family together. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, we're special, man. We're a different breed. I'd say the Chessers are pretty weird and awesome in many different ways. But um, I draw a lot of my inspiration from the fact that he did what he did with two girls and like didn't let us fall through the cracks, even though mm. I wanted to. And I was getting there as I was getting closer to 18. It's <laughs> a lot to chew on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like now I want to have your dad on the podcast. Oh, yeah. He's funny. He's a coconut, but in and, a great way. And... <laughs> A burly coconut. <laughs> burly coconut, babe. And I'm a mini version of him. And he looks like Sean Penn. So he is, I mean, my high school girlfriends were like, oh my God, your dad. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, guys. <laughs> yeah. Calm down. We're trying to watch Bruce Lee movies. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. So then let's go to soccer for a sec. So was this your dad? kind of pushing you into that and being like, this would be a great outlet or was this you gaining an interest in that? Nah, my sister. I, Your sister. <laughs> my sister is 16 months older than I and um, she is super artsy. She's a dental hygienist and tattoo artist now. For all you Phoenix folks, check her out. Her like Raya Riot on Instagram. She's pretty bad to the bone. But uh, my sister, anything she did, I wanted to do it, and I wanted to do it better. And so she played the violin, I played the violin. She played soccer, I played soccer. But then she, as I said, is definitely more artistic than I am. And so she kind of s essentially stopped pursuing ath um, athletics, and I took to it. Like, I definitely, like, took to it. And we we basically, like, shopped around back then, and I played for every single soccer club in Phoenix because we were going to go with the club that gave us, like, the best deal. And I hate to say it like that because, like, people – I had gotten to the level where people wanted me to play for their club. And we were a little poor, so we were like, yeah, I'll, she'll play for you, but, like, with a big discount. <laughs> yeah, okay. And then tell me how that – 
soccer experience evolved? I mean, mm-hmm. was this, you ran it, how far did you take that? Great question. And so, um, took it, took it all the way up into college. Um, I, I, though, when I turned 18 was kind of fucking around a lot. And I was like, I'm not going to college. I'm going to be like a mechanic or like a hairdresser. And I was angry at the world. I had all this angst inside of me. I started making some poor decisions, um, started making some poor decisions, started getting a lot of tattoos. And um, my dad basically was like, you're either going to fucking pack up your bags or you're going to sit down and I'm going to shove this boot so far up your ass and you're going to go to college. And um, I ended up getting basically almost a full ride to GCU um, down in Phoenix Mm -hmm. and played there my all four years and just started developing out of a defensive uh, role, like a, like, you know, um, right defender or left defender and moved into center midfielder as I got fitter and, and then Mm -hmm. just started like really um, being that like player a little bit, right? I, I guess I evolved um, as I got into college once I passed the angst uh, portion of life. Um, and then, and then, yeah, once I graduated, I thought to myself, oh, I'll be a professional soccer player. I'll move to Houston because hmm. at the time that's where, that's where things were. And then life kind of like kicks you in the teeth and you, you have to like have bills and get a job. And, and I just pursued a career for a while. It was funny. I, back for a million years ago, I was kind of in the school of like, if there's not a soccer ball or football or basketball involved, like you're not going to get me to run, you know, mm-hmm. like take the ball away and I'm out, you know? Mm-hmm. So when for you or, or like, but then there is also the version of soccer players who obviously you're running, especially at center mid, you're running a ton. Mm-hmm. You don't stop. So some folks have more of the like, well, I'm already a runner, like by virtue of playing center mid, you're a runner type of thing. You know, were you in my stupid camp of like, if there's not a ball to chase, I'm, you're not going to be able to make me run? Or were you more like, I'm already doing this. I kind of dig it. Now ball's gone. Like, yeah, explain, explain yourself. No, I hated it. <laughs> I did not love okay. it. I moved to Oklahoma. I, as I said, like I was pretty aggressive and like, I'm going to have a career. Like I'm going to be the girl with like the blonde curly hair on the like tarmac with the briefcase and be like, Oh yeah. Like I'm uh-huh. that girl, you know? Um, because I wanted to, like, I wanted to, and I, again, I had like my pop in my background, basically just being like, like be better than I was at my, at like my career. And I again, like competitively was like, oh yeah, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna pursue a career. And so I moved to Oklahoma, um, didn't do a ton of things. I smoked a lot of weed, partied a lot, listened to a ton of music and had some friends, like artistic friends, and then kind of went to the gym. I gained, I don't know, 20 pounds because I was working for Hershey's. I was driving. Um, and so I like wasn't interested. And then I moved to North Carolina for another job and started playing soccer like six days a week probably seven at times. And a girlfriend of mine, um, Butters basically was like, Hey, do you want to like start running? And I was like, well, I mean, okay, sure. Um, and we started like checking out Asheville area. We started checking out spots in Asheville. We started running on the roads some more, but never too crazy. We were doing like rock and roll half marathons and like marathons. And then I, um, moved to Marin. No, wait a sec. No, 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 no. (laughs) You went from like, no, I hated running and then just casually were like, nah, so started doing half marathons and marathons. Come on. That's, that's not, 
that's not nothing. No, no. I Are mean, we it so jaded? Anything, Are we so jaded that if it's yeah? But I wasn't serious. It wasn't serious. It was just like yeah, we're going to like New Orleans and we're gonna do like the rock and roll half marathon, and it was just meant for a way for us to like go be friends and like go explore an area, and that was the main purpose gotcha. of it. Like it wasn't meant to be anything but just like ooh, like let's go eat beignets and like run a little. <laughs> okay. Um, right. you know, so it was not taken seriously at all, and um, I was in North Carolina for less than a year and I ended up moving to Marin and I was like, Oh, like, why am I running on these roads when I like could be on trail and got connected with this triathlete human. And I was like, I'm going to run American river as a 50 mile race as my first ultra, like, you know, never hardly done anything outside of the marathon and was like, yeah, I'm going to go from like marathon to 50 mile, had this triathlon human, like sort of kind of training me, went and ran, went and ran American river, could not move for like, I don't know, a couple weeks. And I thought to myself, I'm never fucking doing that again. And then from there, I moved from California to Flagstaff and I partied. Like I got to Flagstaff and I was like, I'm not running. Like I'm playing some soccer. I'm just partying. I'm having some fun with my friends. I'm like dating, whatever. And I will give Cody a lot of credit for this. um, Even though we have since parted ways, um, but we're still good homies. Cody kind of re instilled like this idea of like, running obviously because he's a very talented human in running i started falling in love with being outside and i started falling in love with being outside for long periods of time and then i've navigated some coaches in the process um emily and ian torrance are amazing humans i had emily as a coach for a little while and then i had cody but then honestly once i got connected with terry i loved his secret sauce. I love his secret sauce and I love his training program. And it is incredibly motivating, super inspiring to be living in some of the places that we get to live in and check out areas that we get to check out and um, feel that like burn of training and racing again. And it's super addicting and it's super inspiring and it's, it's, everything you could want it to potentially be for you as an individual. And that's what it is for me right now, with the exception of balance. Say more with the exception of balance. I think that it doesn't, it doesn't feel that balanced right now. It's super balanced. Are, right. Is yeah. this, is this, it's wait, 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 wait. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was like, wait, we, we kind of opened this conversation talking about what percentage of fun versus suffering you know, mm-hmm. kind of goes into the maybe ideal life. And now I'm actually confused. Are you saying things are you're hit? You've hit a proper balance or we need to f- get back to. Okay. No, I'm, I'm definitely in like a beautiful balance spot. Obviously, the build into Havelina was a long, longer, not longer, but like was like a pretty aggressive build um, just from like the pro- process and protocol of how to do that. But now that like now that things are there, I I'm taking the rest of the year to like chill and i will be running obviously like because you just have to continue to like keep cadence but but like i'm going to hawaii i'm celebrating the holidays i um even during even even during the training block like i went out with my friends and like i still made sure to make time for that balance and now i'm really excited to just like take a take a seat and like go hiking and like like lean into some um potential like interests that are really making me smile right now 
That's vague. Mm-hmm. Are, are you going to keep it vague? Um, I have met a human that's been really like inspiring and um, I just really have been appreciating it. That's fantastic. Yeah. And he's not a runner and he's Still not vague. in the world and he's not even any of that, but like um, he, uh, he makes me feel good. <laughs> that is, hey, here's to that. Yeah. So I hope everyone has that too, though. Like, I mean, I hope that everyone has that whether, in whatever capacity. And if they don't have that, I got you. Like, I'll be that person to say like, I'll send you like a kudo. Yeah. That is a good segue into, was it your last Instagram post? (laughs) This, this this was interesting, right? And I I definitely wanted to ask you about it, which I think it actually literally ends with, I got you. Everybody can go look at the post, Tessa Chessa. (laughs) But you were just talking about rumblings where here you are, you know, on the back half of a hundred mile race and you were talking about people commenting like, oh, she doesn't look that strong right now. Or, you know, you were talking about there was some hydration issues and swelling and the rest. And I was just curious. I was like, wait, were you actually hearing this? Or was this a bit more as a preemptive, like, hey, you know, hey, community, if you're hearing certain criticisms or certain assessments that sound maybe less than flattering and completely fail to acknowledge the hard fucking work being done at the moment. Like, I I just was curious, like how much of this was a direct response to some things that you were hearing from people versus that, again, more prophylactic or preemptive advice, thoughts, etc. This is 100% in response to some real deal bullshit. Um, this is a hundred percent response to that. And I'll be honest with you at first. I, I mean, my default is anger. 100%. Like I, I grew up seeing a lot of that. And so I, it's something I like have to be pretty aware of. Um, not to say that like, I'm about to like pop off on anybody or anything like that, but, but my default by far is anger. And, um, and I don't want to be angry and nor do I want to be angry at anybody in general, but like everyone's got a fucking opinion, man. And that's through the whole process of life, whether that's career, whether that's partnerships, friendships, athletic endeavors, whatever, everyone's got a fucking opinion. And, um, I think for me, we live in this age where I can respectfully call it out. Like I can respectfully call it out. And and the people who have something to say, um, you know, even just some bullshit, like with riding off Camille, you know, and I think to myself, like that woman is like the hundred K like record holder in addition to like bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we all have different personalities. We are walking enigmas and, um, and by all means, like I catch myself like saying stupid shit about things too. And I, it was like not only a direct call out to these human beings, but it was also like a recheck for me to be like, yeah, sister, like you got to learn to like, not to say that like I talk about shit or anything like that, but it was just a reminder more for me to think to myself, everyone's got an opinion. People want to take a chip off of your block and I'm going to continue to walk with that burly self and kill them all and let God sort them out because I, my role is, is to be able to inspire people, hopefully, on the day-to-day. Yeah, I curse. Yeah, I'm real. Sure, I get jealous. But at the end of the day, I hope that people draw inspiration from something like that and remember that like they have a voice too. And it's not okay for shit to be said. And I'm not going to sit back and let that be okay, but I am going to call it out in a pretty freaking respectful way so that those individuals know that like, 
I get it. You got an opinion. Like we all do. And if yours is shitty, maybe keep it to yourself, especially in that moment, right? Especially in that moment where you're like, when, when they have no idea, right? They just have no idea. Like not only the work it takes to get there and the courage that is required to show up every single day, like every single day, like I work full time, right? So I'm, I'm squeezing this in, in my, in my career to like make, make something, uh, make myself feel like I'm something. And again, I just hope that people hopefully will take a look at that and say, not necessarily like support me, but like support themselves and say, I'm not going to stand for shit like that. Mm -hmm. My drop. (laughs) Yeah. There's been like 18 of them in this conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Passion, baby. It like flows. It's super, it's super good when you're in a good state and not to say that like, um, even in a bad, even in a bad mental state and I have some homies that can attest to it, but man, mammoth was a trying time. And so I just laugh a little bit because adversity is constantly, whether we like are in a really positive state or in a negative state per se, mentally adversity is just constant. Like it's a constant state. And I laugh a lot because I'm like, Ooh, okay. Like let's get that poke action. Something's like poking me right now to like have to navigate. And at times it doesn't feel always good, but I'm glad it's there. Yeah. It's a funny one, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. on the one hand, it's, it's incredible fuel, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. well, talking more about criticisms, like criticisms coming, it might be the best fuel of all time, but it's also annoying as hell. And you just kind of, that's a tricky one. Cause like, yeah, if any, everyone was always saying only nice things all the time, I don't know. I mean, depending on how a person is wired, I suppose, but like that actually might maybe for you, maybe for me, that might not actually get us, right? Like it'd be a lack of fuel. Um, Maybe there would be something else. But then just adversity, sometimes it's not, adversity comes sometimes in the form of not criticisms, just life circumstances. I think we all get better at dealing with that or we don't, but it's coming. So might as well try to get on the side of like being better, whether it's with a medical diagnosis, whether it's with things happening to your loved ones, whether it's with criticisms coming our way. So I just hope to full gas. Like what I mean by that is the Swedish folks say it and I love it absolutely, but it's like full gas. Yeah, baby. Right. Like I want to gas myself up in addition to many other people. Like I want to gas them up to where like they have pedaled to the metal and it's just like full on like fire. And that's very important. Yeah. And we need those people like the world. We, the world collective need those people, those authors, those filmmakers, those athletes, the Bruce Lee's. Yes. Right. I mean, like we need that. I want to let you get going soon. I mean, I don't actually want this to end, but um, <laughs> I, I will, uh, you know, let you get back to your day. But so Western, are you thinking about this yet? Are you mostly just in a mode of like, I'm remembering how to walk or uh, like, how are you feeling physically? now yeah so new york was great because we walked all over the place you know you're in the city and you're like you have to move your body and i with with any um race recovery it's always just like nice to like move your body in a walking way for me at least just because you kind of can see if anything has popped up um unexpectedly and so um i am thinking about western states in the sense of as i mentioned like i'm taking the rest of this year off to just kind of get my miles back 
get in like from 30 miles to 50 miles and some strides and like do, just do some like basic stuff, but no workouts, um, nothing for the rest of the year. And so um, at some point I will sit down and build out the preload into Western States. And so that will look maybe like two races potentially. Um, so we'll build a preload or maybe three races into Western States in 2022. And then, um, and then, and then we'll like, that will be the setup, um, hopefully for total annihilation, um, you know, total annihilation. And so, uh, it's like mortal combat, but, um, but anyways, so to, to answer your question, I'm not like really thinking about it at this particular yeah. moment. I'm just hiking. Um, my hamstrings are still pretty fucked. So I'm just hiking and enjoying that. I'll probably run next week of it. And, um, and then just, as I said, get to experience the rest of this year with the intention of 2022 is going to be some like well thought out planning. Um, so that way I'll, it'll set myself up for, at success. Tessa, this has been something else. Uh, really fun. And um, there's some things you brought up that we, we didn't go down certain roads and rabbit holes, but um, may, maybe another time or maybe at another time, we'll have so many new things to talk about that uh, this will all just be old news. Man, it's cool getting your perspective on some of this and, and you know, hearing a bit about maybe why your perspective is the way it is these days and um, really cool. And I appreciate the openness and I am excited and stoked for you that you, you know, are in a good spot right now. And um, yeah, congrats on a whole lot of fronts. Thank you so much. I'm really like proud and grateful to be a part of this opportunity. I, as I mentioned, like hope that people can take a look at this and say, damn, like I can approach her. She's approachable. I can talk to her. And, um, I hope that that's, that's an inspiring thing. I hope that people can take a look and say like, man, if she, if she can do it, I can do it, um, at whatever level that could be. And yeah, gosh, I just really appreciate the opportunity. Cause like, as I said, we're all like insecure walking enigmas and I'm no different. And, uh, and it's really special to be able to like talk a little bit about like my why and my brain. Mm. And thank you. I, again, I think there's going to be a lot of people that listen to us who are going to really benefit from you telling us about your why and your brain. Thanks. Really. Thank you so much. I'm just going to say I'm already looking forward to the next time. Yeah, me too. All right. You take care. Hey, thank you. Well, that's it for this edition of Off the Couch. Thanks to Tessa for making this an extremely memorable 100th episode. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from all of us here in Gunnison and Crested Butte, Colorado, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. Please keep moving forward, and we will talk to you again next week.